Hey everyone, I just got back from the movie theater where I saw The New Mutants, a movie that I'd really been looking forward to for a while. After many, many delays, it was released one week ago, Friday, August 28, 2020. This was my first time seeing a movie in the theater since March, when I had seen Birds of Prey shortly before everything shut down due to COVID-19. For anyone who may be listening to this who hasn't heard any of my previous episodes, my podcast has heretofore solely focused on the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and typically I don't offer straightforward reviews of the movies, instead we do more of an analytical and academic approach. I'm also usually joined by at least one guest who brings in a unique angle to our analysis. But today I thought I would do something a little bit different. What I'm going to do is share my fresh-from-the-theater initial impressions of the movie The New Mutants and talk a little bit about what my experience at the theater was like. Then I'm going to turn off the recorder, read some reviews and commentary about the movie, which I've largely avoided up until this point, and then I'm going to get back on the mic and share some thoughts about what I read. I hope you enjoy it. Feel free to message me at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter with your thoughts about The New Mutants. I am TK, of New York, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I'm a high school teacher by day, and I'm also a huge fan of pop culture. And this is There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that finds itself at the place where those two things meet. Join me and some special guests as we explore the MCU through concepts in the humanities. Spoiler alert, one of those concepts is intertextuality, and as such, each episode of this podcast will likely contain spoilers for multiple films in the MCU. Thinkers, inquirers, and lovers of entertainment, assemble. Alright, so I just saw The New Mutants at one of the very few open movie theaters located within about 15 miles of where I live. I reserved my seat ahead of time using the Fandango app, which shows you which sections of seats are blocked out due to social distancing. At the theater, there was plenty of signage indicating one-directional walkways and, of course, reminding you to wear your mask at all times. And I was really pleasantly surprised to see that I wasn't the only person in the auditorium for The New Mutants. There have definitely been times in the past, pre-COVID, that I was the only one or maybe one of two or three people for a particular showing at this specific movie theater. But today, there were eight other people in there, including a dad with a couple of preteen or young teenaged kids, and it was nice to see. Among the trailers that played were the most recent Black Widow trailer, which I had considered trying to avoid, but ultimately I decided not to. It was too tempting. I'm very, very excited for Black Widow. I also saw the trailer for Death on the Nile, which really looks fantastic, and I absolutely love it when a trailer makes use of an interesting remix to a song that I love. For example, I got chills from the new Batman trailer's use of Nirvana's Something in the Way that was... damn. Um, and the Death on the Nile trailer included Policy of Truth by Depeche Mode. It was really great. Now, speaking of trailer music, when I first saw the trailer for The New Mutants a while ago, which made inspired use of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, in my opinion, I was immediately into it. I was hyped about this movie because it promised a combination of a bunch of different things that I really like. We have the X-Men, horror, the trope of a motley crew of teens all stuck somewhere together, 
and an LGBTQ romance at its center. So did this movie deliver? Well, again, I'm going to share my initial thoughts about the movie itself, including spoilers, so please, if you haven't seen the movie yet, beware, and maybe choose to come back to this discussion after you've seen it. Um, I'm not yet going to speak to its production history or some of the critical comments that were made by one of the comic creators that I did recently read. I'm going to leave that for the section that I'm going to include after I turn the recorder off and read some of the reviews. Overall, initial impression, I really did enjoy this movie, and maybe I was a little bit biased because I went into it wanting to enjoy it. But those elements that I was excited about that I mentioned before, they were enough to keep me interested and engaged. I never felt bored or wished it was over. I never looked at my watch. I definitely did not regret the ticket price. Was I absolutely blown away? No, but I wasn't expecting to be. Would I watch this movie again? Absolutely. One of the things that I've often talked about as one of the main reasons why I love the MCU so much is how interconnected all of the movies are and how they weave together to create something bigger than the sum of its parts. Fox's X-Men movies, it's no secret, have never really succeeded in that way, though I do personally love some of those movies very much. With The New Mutants, there was something really refreshing about seeing a comic book movie that stands alone, that references the world of the X-Men without being confined to it that we don't have to sit here and rank where it falls with other movies in the same franchise. So while this movie may not reach the heights of my favorite MCU films, it didn't really have to in order for me to enjoy it. I enjoyed it in the way that I enjoy many standalone horror movies or teen movies. Now, I will say that this movie needed to prove itself to me. When it first began, I wasn't so sure. Some of the dialogue felt very stilted and exposition-heavy. I didn't know what to make of Danny Moonstar at first. I was struck by how young and naive she seemed, though ultimately I think this worked in the movie's favor. I was immediately intrigued by Dr. Reyes, but my first impression of the other characters, the New Mutants themselves, was not as strong. Ileana seemed too cookie-cutter mean girl at first. Some of her lines making fun of Danny for her Native American heritage were cringeworthy. Roberto similarly seemed stereotypical, popular, rich kid. I was familiar with Charlie Heaton, the actor who plays Sam, from his work on Stranger Things, and I was at first just very distracted by the character's heavy Kentucky accent. Rain was the mutant who I found most interesting at first, but by the end of the movie, I will say I was really, really invested in all of these characters. The scenes I enjoyed the most were those in which the group of mutants spent time getting to know each other. In these moments, the movie really struck a nice balance of setting up a friendship among them, which for me established the credibility necessary to believe why they'd all work together so well later on in the film, while also establishing character backstory and giving us a look into what their powers are. It was in these moments that the tone and mood of the movie reminded me of my favorite show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that's no coincidence. Buffy is somewhat prominently featured in a few scenes in this movie. While Sam and Berto are having a heart-to-heart -heart in one scene, you can see the seasons 5, 6, and 7 DVD box sets on the bookshelf behind them. And not once but twice, actual clips from the show are playing on the TV that the mutants are watching. These clips also seem to be strategically chosen. Shortly before it's made clear that the connection between Danny and Rain is in fact a budding romance, we see Rain watching Willow and Tara kiss during the Buffy episode The Body, 
which incidentally deals with the death of a major character's parent, a theme in this movie as well. Shortly thereafter, Danny and Rain kiss for the first time. Later, the Buffy episode Hush is playing on the TV, specifically the scene in which Buffy is fighting the gentlemen, creatures who bear a definite resemblance to the smiley men who are fully revealed in this movie soon after. I also felt a similarity in the way that Ileana, or Magic if we call her by her mutant name, looks when she fights with the way that Buffy does. And of course, the image of Danny standing up to literally face down her demons was reminiscent to me of the spirit and intention of Buffy as well. And that brings me to another aspect of this movie that I really appreciated. The notion and imagery of personal demons manifested as the tangible thing that our heroes have to fight. To me, this works very, very well in a movie about teens who don't yet know their powers. Not to harp too much on Buffy, but the quote-unquote new mutants remind me of Buffy's potential slayers. They have the power in them, they just need to figure out how to use it. By the climax of this film, I was sold on what it was trying to do. I was actually rooting for all of these characters. Ironically, Dr. Reyes, who I was compelled by at first, left me wanting before her demise. Like, what was her deal? What is her allegiance to her superior? I feel like there were a lot of unanswered questions there. But I was now looking at Danny, who I felt lukewarm about at first, as a strong, capable hero. I felt very endeared to Berto and Sam, who I no longer viewed as stereotypes, and Berto, or Sunspot as he's called, looked really, really cool when he used his powers. I found the young love story between Rain and Danny to be genuinely heartwarming and convincing. And Magic, who seemed so shallow and downright mean at first, too much so in my opinion, ends up being a really interesting and complex character, and she kicks so much ass. And I loved seeing her puppet Lockheed as a real dragon. That made the movie for me. So cool. I know I'm probably about to read some criticism of this movie, some that I'm sure I'll disagree with, and some that's probably quite valid. But those were my initial thoughts and feelings on The New Mutants. Stay tuned. Alright, so I'm back. I just read some reviews and commentary on The New Mutants. It seems this movie is performing as expected at the box office, given the current state of affairs. It was projected to bring in about 5 to $10 million in its opening weekend. Note, of course, that only 62% of theaters in the U.S. are currently open, and many of them are operating at half or less capacity. Um, and as of today, September 4th, it's grossed $8.3 million domestically and a total of $11.2 million internationally. Critical response has not been too hot. The movie currently stands at only 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems like a lot of the criticism is calling the movie generic, um, just okay, which I don't really agree with. Perhaps huge cinematic events like Infinity War and Endgame have left critics sour on comic book films that do less. I don't know. Now, it is worth talking about the criticism of the film leveled by co-creator of the New Mutants comics, Bob McCloud. He recently took to Facebook to express dissatisfaction with how his characters were portrayed on film. And it doesn't help that his name was misspelled in the movie's credits. Ouch. While, in my opinion, and that of many others, in most cases, movie portrayals of comic characters are by no means obligated to physically depict those characters in exactly the same way as their source material. However, if a great deal of who that character is in their essence is influenced by their race, gender, nationality, skin tone, or another similar factor, it doesn't make sense to change that factor. And, especially given Hollywood's track record of years of unnecessarily whitewashing characters, 
I understand McLeod's disappointment in seeing that Roberto, or Sunspot, was portrayed by a white Brazilian actor when the comic character's experience as a black Brazilian person has a big impact on who he is. Director Josh Boone's response to this criticism did not provide a satisfactory rationale, in my opinion, and has only served to make fans more upset. Absolutely no offense to Henry Zaga, who depicted the character nicely in the movie, but it seems like Boone missed an opportunity and deserves this criticism. While I'm on board with this meta-level criticism, I personally can't agree with reviews that call the movie itself monotonous, redundant, or irrelevant, for all of the reasons I stated earlier. I totally understand that this movie is not for everyone, but as a Buffy fan, as someone to whom it really means so much to see LGBTQ characters integrated so authentically into my favorite genres in ways that have never been before, as someone who likes the mix of superhero and horror, as someone who appreciates teen stories, this movie did it for me, and it might do it for you too. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the new mutants, please send a message to at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Did you like this episode format? Would you like to hear me do more initial impressions and reviews in the future? Let me know. As always, shout out to Brooke Pender for the podcast artwork and to Demeter Salvia for the theme music. Next up on the podcast, our season two preview.